I'm Mandy. And I'm Jessica. And this is The Coop. You're listening to The Coop Homeschool Podcast. This is your podcast for community, humility, and joyful fun in homeschooling. This is episode 58, Faith and Friends. It's faith and friends today. Yes. Yeah, the the homeschool community is made up of all different creeds and religions and, and backgrounds. And so sometimes there, there can be conflict because we have different uh, faiths. And we're building such intimate friendships amongst ourselves as adults and the kids. Yeah, and we, we have that desire to be known. Mm-hmm. And when your faith is your co- most core value, that can get in the way amongst you know, mom friends, but also among our children as well. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today as a discussion. Yes. And hopefully um, we can uh, be a help to anyone who is going through that right now or, yeah. So let's do our scoop on the coop. Okay, I'll go. So my little guy, August, is ready for his own extracurriculars. Oh, fun. What are you going to do? So um, I'm putting him, he's already registered for the same music program um, Sophia did. Oh. It's a preschool music program um, called Sound Beginnings. It's through the Let's Play music program that I've talked all about Uh in our uh, music and movement episode. And so he's going to start his first year. So that's exciting and just crazy that my baby is... I know. Growing up because it was just me taking Sophia six years ago. Yeah. And didn't she seem so much older yes. when you were doing that? I mean, he's a baby. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I had a similar experience between, you know, my daughter going for the first time and then my second daughter going for the right. first time. I'm like, I can't believe my daughter was younger than this when I right. took her. You know, you... Right. And you just... Yeah. yeah. It's so different. Mm-hmm. I had so many high expectations for my first child because mm-hmm. she was so old. And yeah. now my baby will just always be the baby. Yeah. Because with your first Whether one... Whether young or not. Yeah. You the, the first month even with your first one is an eternity. Yeah. And there's been so much growth and learning as a parent with your first one that that now they just always seem so old, you know? Right. It's crazy. Yeah. So I, um, anything else? Well, I was going to put yeah. it into gymnastics too. Oh, so oh, yeah, yeah, I have yeah, a list of time. things to yeah. do. Yeah, and um, I'm on wait lists right now for gymnastics mm-hmm. for all three kids. So That's fun. Yeah. So yes. we are wearing, for those who can't see us, we because this is so important, we are wearing matching sweatshirts. We it's coordinated. super cute. They're both gray and pink. They're mm-hmm. gray with pink flowers on mm-hmm. them. And They're we, different, but... But we, we yeah, you didn't plan that. No. When you showed up with that, I was like, no, oh. I don't even like this sweatshirt. But I was like, I've got to just wear it. <laughs> I and, you love know, this sweatshirt. I care so much about not repeating my clothes on the podcast <laughs> that nobody watches on YouTube <laughs> that I had to, I was like, all right, fine. I'll wear the sweatshirt. That's so funny. And then you're like, yes. Yeah. I'll go get mine. Mine was yeah. still in my suitcase from oh, so whenever yeah. I went on a trip so long ago. Yeah. So I want to do my scoop. Yes. Besides our sweatshirts, um, my scoop is I just did a book club with our um, my brother and sister in law oh, and yeah. husband. Uh, they were in town and they live in Colorado, so mm-hmm. they were already reading a book called The Goldfinch by Donna Tart. And I was like, oh, if you really love it, you know, Marcus and I will jump in and do it too. And I think it's like thirty two hours of listening. Yeah. And it was fascinating, but the reason I bring it up is there was a lot about um, museum and art, mm. um, also uh, vintage or antique furniture, mm-hmm. drugs, 
and um, even um, European countries and uh, and then the art, the illegal art trade. And Interesting. what struck me was the artist had to eat, I mean, the artist, the author had to research museums, art, mm-hmm. had to research um, what does it feel like to be on drugs? I mean, the drug depictions are really long and these are like age 13, 14, 15 year old kids oh, wow. doing them. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and she's a female and it was a, a teenage boy. Oh, and um, yeah, it's, um, there's a movie and the movie's, as always, not even, cannot hold a candle to the book, right? right. But it has Nicole Kidman and, and oh, yeah, yeah, it has some, you know, famous people in it. Sure. But it, it, it's like, oh no, I hope people don't watch the movie and think this is what the book is. But it's, it struck me because having a daughter that wants to write there's a lot of research that goes into it. And then I was also thinking, I wonder what kind of experiences Donna, the author, had. Because right. maybe, you know, she already had a proclivity for art or mm-hmm. had been a good thrift store shopper and had gotten to know, you right. know. So my sister-in-law, who's really into antiques, she knew all the names that were being listed of the different types of furniture and oh, how cool. one was being, it was a faux one, but being passed off as a... Right real one and, and she knew the names yeah. you know and then they make 30 the author makes 32 references to literature as well and um some you know dickens and things like some are really well known and others you've never heard and mm-hmm. and so i was just thinking of all the things the author had to know but probably a lot she had to know by experience as well yeah and she probably had to read a lot of boy journals you know, she right, really to get inside the head of, of a, a teenage, teenage boy. boy. You know, a teenage girl is lives a totally different life, even if she had journals of her own. Like, so, um, so it just struck me of how important it is to experience different things. And I was yeah. talking to the spouse about this. I was saying, yeah, like I can go to Balboa Park over and over and over again. Right. I can go to New Zealand over and over again. But eventually, it's you know, pretty soon after one or two times, it's. It's not going to impact them the same way as a new experience would and how important new experiences are, not just to expose them to interest, which we've talked about, but also for developing a wide understanding of the various lives and um, the geography around them. Yeah. So it was just, it was a really cool book in that way. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So let's get to our topic, Faith and Friends. I mentioned that um, the homeschool community is full of different faiths, and I found some statistics, and I'll link it on our podcast, but um, this is through that um, website that we've used in the past for N-H-E-R-I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there's two-thirds of homeschoolers are religious and primarily Christian, mm-hmm. or on the Christian spectrum, and 25% are secular. They could be atheist, agnostic, or non-religious, and so it's... I think there used to be a common thread that, you know, 20 years ago, mostly religious, mostly Christian. And now we're seeing um, uh, people of all different backgrounds, Mm -hmm. you know, make this decision, and um, which is super cool. Right. And just as a homeschooled person, so, you know, in the 90s, I knew homeschoolers and definitely growing up at ballet. I only knew Christian homeschoolers for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. And even through high school, but that's because that was the group I got plugged into. But I don't really remember any fringy, 
you know, non-Christian homeschoolers. But now as a homeschool parent in Southern California, I actually don't feel like it's primarily yeah, you one don't or the know. other. It feels yeah. really balanced mm-hmm. to me. You know, I know who my Christian homeschool, you know, parents are and I know who's not. And it, in my life, feels more close to 50-50, I think, than mm-hmm. it would seem. Yeah, you know? and... um I since I'm super transparent and 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 I don't filter what I think or say. I usually ask people yeah. first first time meeting them like do are you religious? You know, because right. when since someone's faith is such a core value, if they have a certain faith, I want to know what that value yeah. is, right. you know. Um, or if they have a value where all roads lead to God, mm-hmm. I want to know that value. Mm-hmm. I feel like you know someone better by knowing what their core beliefs right. are. And honoring that in them. It yes. may be different than you. Yeah. You may not share the commonality, but it's neat to honor people for who they are and what they believe and to understand it. Yeah. And then to know how to approach asking a question like, what do you do for this? Yeah. You know, out of a genuine, honest interest in that person. Yeah. Rather than always skirting the subject and not being sure how to just get yeah. in there. Yeah. I, I love it when I have people in my life who don't believe the same as me, but we can talk about mm-hmm. our beliefs I can I can share myself with them and that's how we feel truly known you know right. is um, sharing your core values and knowing there's not going to be judgment about it knowing that they're like oh now I just get to know you better and can I share a little parallel yeah yeah in um, you know our kickoff to the new season episode we talked about mom identities mm-hmm. and homeschool mom identities but what we really shared was that our personal identities are rooted in Christ for yes. us personally mm-hmm. and to be able to share that with somebody is really to let them know who we actually are right you know and so when you bond with somebody just wearing your mom homeschool mom hat that's not necessarily giving an entire glimpse and while mm-hmm. you might have a great friendship doing that mm-hmm. that's a certain kind of friendship rather than getting down to sharing your core identity yeah, yeah yeah and then and loving them and respecting them mm-hmm. knowing all that right you know yeah, absolutely you can have an amazing relationship with someone whose core identity is different than yours yeah but knowing that and being able to talk about it rather than avoiding it altogether right. is definitely what's going to make for great friendships. Yeah, or pretending. Or pretending. Yeah. yeah. If you don't really understand where somebody is and yeah. you just think you know yeah. and you're not willing to ask or yeah. to hear. Yeah. 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 And um, so so religion and faith is bound to come up. And I make snafus all the time. I mean, I'm a major put my foot in my mouth and then I'm like, oh, wait, are you not religious? <laughs> you know, or wait, I said the wrong word. Um, and hopefully by then when I do that, they know me well enough to know. I love them whoever who, for right. whoever they They're are. They're just genuinely curious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I, I just want to know people so much. So yeah. that's something to always keep in mind when you're making friends and forming groups that, you know, it's okay to know what someone believes about life and the afterlife for sure. You know, and 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 what they do on Sunday, you know. So, okay. So with that in mind, we want to help our children too because um, our children feel like we do. My children, I'm hoping that they grow in their identity of, of believing in Christ and knowing that they're a child of God and have their hope tied up in knowing that they have a Father in Heaven who, who has... Uh, has a plan for their life and had and and has um, forgiven them and and they can look forward to heaven even with mm-hmm. you know 
all these wonderful people in heaven, you know, and so, but, and they want to share that. So we have already come into some situations. We've had a situation where at a birthday party, the kids of different faith backgrounds are debating. And these were what, seven-year-olds at the time, they were debating who wrote the Bible. Right. And, and, and then we've had, I've had situation where I have a, a daughter who's as an evangelist, she's I have to say, and yeah. she's like, you know, when she, I don't know, was she five or six? Like, I think she was six. She's, yeah, last year. Yeah. And, and she proceeded to tell like one of our closest friends, she, she not only wanted to convert the three-year-old, but she also wanted to tell the mom how to raise her child. Right. And, you know, and so, and my my kids know that's totally inappropriate. Right. And so what we're going to talk about, about those situations. And, and, right. and so I'm going to ask you first, like, okay. how, how do you approach your kids and discussing their core values when it comes to faith mm-hmm. with other, other kids around their same age yeah. or in a span near their age? I told my daughter that it's always hard to be able to tell. And I said that we want to be respectful of people believing different things. And so if you're not sure if a conversation is appropriate, you should ask, you know, and and then that's part of the balance of kids too, right? Is they're doing all this stuff on the fly. If it comes up somewhere, you know, and they don't know, you know, as a dance teacher, it comes up in my classroom, you know, one kid will just share something, you know, like, oh, we, um, Okay, what was your favorite color? This is one of my favorite ones. What was your favorite color? Oh, crimson, like the blood of Jesus. Oh! <laughs> That's so right? sweet, you know? It's so sweet, but I'm sure her mom would actually prefer her to just say crimson, crimson. and leave it yeah. at that. You know, yeah. in a public mm-hmm. setting in front of other people's children where the parents aren't even hearing it. Yeah. So that's the thing is when I'm there, I'm okay with my daughter to talk about things because then I can jump in and navigate for yeah. her and not yeah. have to give her any filters mm-hmm. specifically. But now that she's getting older and spends much more independent time, we just talk about what kinds of things should be talked about with adults and families mm-hmm. and are individual to certain families, you know, like inviting them to come to a church function Mm -hmm. or to come and learn this thing would be totally appropriate. Right. But to tell somebody that they need to believe this or that they are wrong for not believing it is absolutely not okay. Right. And if you want to have a discussion like that, come to me and your dad first Mm -hmm. so that we can help guide you in the appropriate way. If you feel compelled to share the gospel with somebody, that should be okay. Yeah. But there's ways to do it that are appropriate and ways to do it that are not. Right. Especially as they get older. Right. Uh, You know, I don't know what kind of gospel my five-year-old is sharing. Right. Is it accurate? Yeah. Is it not representative of what you guys truly believe? Because she's five. I mean, I have my kids come home from hanging out at someone's house saying that this mom said this, and it's totally outlandish. Like, I can't believe anyone would actually believe that. Right. And I'm like, I'm sure she didn't say that, but that's their interpretation of it. Right. So I'm just like, oh, okay. You know, that's what they believe. But I'm like, I'm sure she doesn't even believe that. Right. But you You know. Yeah, no, because you weren't there. Yeah. Like, you can't even walk through these things. Yeah, yeah. so their lens is not always... And then it goes the other way, too. Like, sure. I have no idea what they're communicating either. And and we haven't sat with them and been like, okay, these are the words you Give say. Give them a script. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, we're just happy for our kids to share their hearts. And I love friends of all different faiths who say, I'm happy for your child to share their heart. And that's what 
my, you know, my, my, our friend did, you know, like I'm, but, but we don't also want them being disrespectful and disobedient. So, right. I've done the same thing you did. I, I said the Santa Claus, the, the fairies, all that, plus what we do for Sunday, what we believe about Jesus, um, and plus how babies are made. Yes. I, I've said that is for the family. Right. Those are off-limit topics. Yeah. And in both scenarios. Yeah. yeah. And here's the thing. Like, if if you truly believe, if you're a, a person of religious faith, if you truly believe God will work in the hearts of people, you don't have to go out of your way right. to, to make that happen. Right. Like you can just be you and show his love and kindness right. to people and your kids can do the same thing. And it's not avoidance. That's right. the clear thing. It's not that yeah. you never share who you are, yeah. but there's a difference between just saying it for yourself and expressing who you are and also pushing or teaching yeah. or, you know, condemning. Yeah. And, and sometimes like it feels, it can like, you know, oh, I, you know, let's use Santa Claus as an example. Oh, I don't do Santa Claus. You could right. say it like that. Or you can say, oh, in our family, you know, that's not something that we promote. Right. There's ways to say things as well that mm-hmm. seem less judgmental. And and if you do have the mindset that God gives these children to these parents to raise, yes. he has given these souls to these right. other souls to raise. So right. who am I now to insert myself exactly. into that unless there was like harm being done? You know, unless right. it's our depravity. That's, that's it. Right. Yeah. And then as kids get older, they make their own decisions exactly. anyway. So, and and usually the, the friends that I know that are secular um, are completely open to that. Sure. They, they actually are trying to promote an environment where their kids can learn about it on their own mm-hmm. and choose for themselves when they're older and and. And they can walk them through that or let someone else do that, you know, through friendships or whatever. So anyway, so I want to read this because I was talking to my dad about this. My my dad is amazing. Yes. And and he has a lot of experience with this. And then um, I was also talking to Marcus about this. And, and Marcus is like, well, what do the relationship experts say? Right. So well, give us a little background about Marcus and your dad, okay. just because they oh, yeah. are very well educated uh-huh. in this area. So that's why it was important oh, to yeah. ask them. Okay. Like, so so my dad, um, he's actually on um, one of the scholars for Reasons to Believe. Mm-hmm. So the um, Reasons to Believe was started by this PhD astronomer and um, also this, um, and worked with like a biochemist in the, um, oh, what's it called? I, I know, it down. I made you go ahead. Um, uh, in the... Uh, um, Oh, the scientific testable creation model, Dr. Mm-hmm. Fuzz Rana, a biochemist. But Dr. Hugh Ross is the astronomer with Reasons to Believe. But my dad's one of the scholars there, and he actually teaches with Reasons to Believe. Right. And, and and so... And, and what's ba- his educational background? Oh, his educational background is mechanical engineering, yeah. aerospace engineering. Basically, engineers yeah. seem to know everything. <laughs> right. But they are a scientist uh, of engineering, basically, exactly. you know. They're not putting potions together and stuff, no. but, but, and so he, he, he teaches at churches and other community centers with other, uh, scholars and scientists mm-hmm. about, um, about reasons to believe in an intelligent design and a creator God who answers prayer. Right. So they're not necessarily saying why Jesus, but, but that probably comes into right. it. So they're point. looking for, for those, those questions about, okay, but how do you 
justify this and this, yeah. and then they are able to do that. They're yeah. like, well, yeah, that there you go. Th- those are the questions because they always have an open mic, right. and sometimes that's what this session is, yeah. and they just have a panel. So cool. And so, uh, um, so he's very experienced at this, and then. Um, and then my husband has a master's in um, church history mm-hmm. and went to seminary. And mm-hmm. so and he has a PhD, PhD in history. In history yeah. um, so he, he knows that whole aspect of church history and the evolution of religion, because right. that's really what he focused on in his his, history PhD. And so, so I talked with both of them and, um, and you know who the relationship experts are in our faith? It's our, the Bible, right. it's God. Right. And and a story that my dad told me all growing up came to my mind. And so I called my dad and I found out, um, you know, where it was in the Bible. And I'm just going to read it. Yeah. Okay. So this is Paul. He, and this is after Jesus has died and um, ascended to heaven. And um, he's in Athens. And um, so uh, he's, he's preaching. And so now, so I'll read it to you. It's Acts. 17, so this is a book in the Bible. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. And I, I love that he's, they, that it says he reasoned with them and not shouted. Right. You know, and or even taught. Yeah. Like he reasoned, reasoned with he them. discussed with them. Yes. Um, Okay, so um, some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? And others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, Areopagus, which is, um, it said it was like a... a rock formation or something right outside of mm. Athens, like northwest or northeast mm-hmm. of Athens. Um, and so they took him there saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. So there you're seeing the curiosity is there too. Mm-hmm. They're saying, hey, let's pull you to the side and let's really discuss this. Right. Because he seemed equipped he seemed mm-hmm. to have information they wanted to hear. Yeah. And they were interested. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hear something new. So Paul, standing in the middle, in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, the idols, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. So what this unknown God, let me tell you about this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, let me tell you what you know is out there, but don't know anything about right. it. Because I do. I have right. information about that. And, um, and these are, remember, philosophers and people listening to him. Um, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, 
having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is not actually far from each of us. So, and it goes on from there and and talks Mm -hmm. about God and stuff. And I, and that's how my dad would teach me about modeling, how, how to discuss these things. Mm -hmm. Like, is there curiosity? Right. If there's curiosity, share. So that, that's what we try to tell our friends, our, our, our kids. Like, if they ask you, you have every right to tell them all right. about it. You know, but if they're just sitting there playing and, and you are putting that on them, yeah. I don't necessarily want them doing that to you either. Exactly. This you is know? a two-way street here. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's one thing for them to know that you have a faith and you go to church on Sunday and that's an important thing about right. you. They're free to ask anytime they want to. Definitely. Yeah. And they can come visit. Right. They're, you know, I, I try it's to make an sure. open invitation. Yeah, yeah. And my kids always want to invite their friends. And so I reach out when they want to and just say, just so you know, the kids want to invite, but no, no obligation. Pressure. Yeah. And so, so the curiosity. Mm-hmm. And it's not confrontational. No. It's literally like, you already have a spot for this God, and I'm going to, I can tell you about it. Right. And then they said, yes, tell us. We want to hear. And so I thought that was just a really great model for us to remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of for answering curiosity. And so that's that's a way to instruct our kids using the the expert, using right. God, using right. the Bible and using this, the tools that we believe in. Yeah. Right. right. And um and 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 then my dad also pointed out, he's like, and remember, he did it respectfully and honoring. And so, and he's like, he didn't put down what they believed. Nope. He's just saying, you don't need those idols. You know, this God doesn't need that. Right. This God doesn't need food to put, you know, doesn't need a statue, doesn't need yeah. anything handmade because right. he is actually with you. He's very mm-hmm. near you. And so um, so he just used it to, like, compare and contrast, yeah. but it wasn't judgmental. No. So I think, like, what a great story that's that is. And that always stuck with me, you know. Mm-hmm. So when we talked about doing this podcast, I was like, oh, that's perfect. So how can us moms and dads do the same thing, like, amongst our friends and yeah. in front of our kids modeling it? And um, what do you think? I mean, really, I follow the same rules. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I share what is important for people to know me. You know, when I'm struggling with something or having a vulnerable moment, I'm going to show my true self. So mm-hmm. if I'm going to say, you know, I was really struggling with this, so I was praying about it, and I was really reading in the Bible about this issue, and here's what I came up with. Like, so I'm taking this to apply it to my situation, you know, and if I'm looking for counsel from a friend, you know, how, do you think that this approach to it's going to be okay or whatever? Yeah, you know? So yeah. not asking them to speak about my own tools, but to say is my outcome, like, you know, like I can mm-hmm. still ask them, you know, so there's so many ways for me to be able to be my true self mm-hmm. while also not putting it on somebody. And if they still don't want to hear that side of me, then that that's just a barrier that's then a barrier. in your friendship. Right. Like you you can still be have a wonderful friendship, right. but if they're not open to like hearing me be myself self, without yeah. even saying like, I'm gonna pray for you. Yeah. Even if I always pray for my friends, yeah. you know. I, I don't always have to tell them that or yeah. make them feel uncomfortable by always pushing and putting it on mm-hmm. them. So as adults, I think that it's perfectly reasonable to have conversations. I usually err on the side of 
less is more just mm-hmm. because I'm not comfortable having, yeah. you know, these deep conversations or apologetics. You yeah. Know? Like I'm still working through apologetics for myself. Yeah. And apologetics is basically the defense of your faith. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so I'm still working on that. You know, I didn't find the Christian church until I was 13, 14. Mm-hmm. And then um, it was mostly through my peers inviting me and bringing mm-hmm. me. So it was very genuine and open. And then when I went away to college in San Francisco for a few years as a 17-year-old, I really turned away. Yeah. And then I, um, you know, really had my own journey back and my own faith. And now I'm very solid in my faith, but I'm working through all of those things because I remember what it was to question it all. I know what it was to be on the other side personally as a young adult, you know, so I understand all those questions. And so I'm still studying and working through and learning the best responses, you know, and Mm -hmm. being confident in them. But because I'm such an empathizer, it's so easy for me to say, but you're just going to think different. And that's okay. And And it is. It is, yeah. Like God, I believe God calls us all to be different, you know, and we're all different. um, Well, he created us all different. Exactly. And he has different purpose for each of us. And so Mm -hmm. I don't think he created me to be an apologist, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I'm not sharing in my own unique way. By me being genuine and honest and open doesn't mean that I'm not also just sharing him. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a struggle because I'm like an impassioned talker. So I do get myself into to trouble when there's a debate happening. Yeah. So in college, there was a lot of that, yeah. you know, and and um, and the emotions were high in the room. And uh, my best friend, she she um, is was an athe- or still an atheist, you know, right. at the time. My best friend at the time, and it was so neat though because she was able to um, be like, help me reason out doctrine and theology right. she was like okay but if it says this then how can you say this and I'd be yeah, like figure that out oh yeah. yeah that's a great idea and she would help me walk right. through that myself so which could either grow your faith or right. or change it right. you know and then what do we believe do you believe that you change the hearts of others right no, no. of course not yeah so even though you being even encouraged and more determined after those conversations they didn't change her Right, yeah. And that's okay, too. She may feel even more solid with where she's at. But at the same time, it's never our role to change someone's heart. It's our role to be a great example Mm -hmm. and to share the love of Christ is is the role that I believe that I have. And I share that by loving people. Yeah, yeah. And we all love people in different ways, you know. So, um so yeah, it's just a, a, a it's such a sticky topic for people because people are afraid to talk about it, right. and and then they're they don't want to if their kid does want to share the hope and love that they have about Jesus, they don't want to squelch that. No. Like it, it, that's all I want for my kids right. is to love God with all their heart, soul, right. and mind. So how did you end up handling that when you had your one who you had to have a conversation with about oh, it oh, was yeah. too far? Yeah, so when my little one was trying to instruct a mom on how to parent her child and also waited for me to leave mm-hmm. to go to the bathroom to do that. Um, and snuck gifts. Yeah, and snuck. She snuck. would sneak over religious items as yeah. gifts. Yeah, stuff from VBS. I just love, this story is just so cute and you can't not love the story. I know. But how did you discern... And it, were able so to I didn't say it. anything at that moment sure. um, because I'm... 
I'm more impulsive and I'm more impassioned. And so, um, and I, the idea of a friend getting hurt or bothered in that way bothered me as well. Right. So I tasked my spouse to do it. Yeah. And he's very gentle and, and, and he can handle that. But, um, you know, basically he, his, he just reminds the kids and he reminded her, you know, um, you're not ready to do that, you right. know, and if they ask you, please share. Right. But if they don't, you're not ready to have those conversations, you right. know. And so our our plan is, you know, by high school right. age, that's when everyone's, all the kids are going to feed each other's minds and hearts and hopefully they come back to our parents, you know. Right. Like my dad said, we, I would always recommend little kids, you know, ages 10 and under or whatever, if, if they're in a conversation like that, whether it's when they want to be in or not, they right. say, Oh, let's let's go ask our mommy or daddy about that right, right now, and let's talk about it with them. And so you just bring it to them, and then the moms can address it at that time, exactly. saying, "Oh, is this something we want to discuss with our kids right now, or do we want to say, hey, well, let's talk about this later?" Right. And and I I appreciate your discussion, and I definitely want to address it and right. help you th- help you. But with we're this. going to do it privately, yeah. as family. And the and the motivation of all this is just being respectful and honoring of right. people we love that think differently. Exactly. And so if everyone is of the same faith, but maybe different areas on the spectrum of that faith, that's no big deal to me. You know, like, like we're not trying to, you know, make someone believe in God who doesn't, you know, right. that's, that's a different scenario when they already do. And, exactly. and it's so enriching and wonderful to get to have those discussions, you know, yeah. just like when you're a group of homeschool kids, you know, it's enriching and wonderful to have homeschooling conversations, exactly. but if it's half traditional, half homeschooling, it's not really a conversation you want to get into at the moment, you know? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you can kind of look, think of another topic like that. And, yeah. and so, um, um, this last question, how how do we handle our co-op then? Because our co-op oh, yes. is nicely diverse. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that multiple mm-hmm. times. It, I think it does represent the real world, right. you know, with, with different, um, you know, it doesn't have every nationality and every ethnicity. No, but and, it's pretty well-rounded, I yeah, feel. Yeah, yeah. And, and so um, for Easter... Oh, yeah. So if I want to do something and celebrate a holiday that, to me, is religious... You know, I don't think of Easter as being non-religious, though I know that some people celebrate it through Easter bunnies or, you know, the whole idea of spring. So it's varied over the years as our group has changed. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, our group was mostly Christian. Mm -hmm. And so that year was great. But I was up front. I said, I'm going to be sharing, you know, the resurrection story. We're going to be doing um, resurrection eggs. Mm -hmm. And so... They're going to hunt for eggs that will together tell the story of the resurrection through, you know, physically opening each item. Right. And so that was really fun and unique. The second year, we um, we just did a teaching moment first. So that second year, I knew we had a little more uh, religious diversity in the group. So I said, from 10 to 10.30, we're going to do a resurrection story study. If you don't want to be there for that, come at 1030. We're going to do our picnic lunch, um, you know, and then we're going to go do the Easter eggs after that. So if you just want to come at 1030 and not have to worry about anything you're uncomfortable with your kids hearing or being Mm -hmm. a part of, that's fine. It's just a teaching moment. There's no need to feel left out. Yeah. We'll come and do the Easter egg hunt later. And the Easter egg hunt 
you know, I usually do like little activity cards inside. So they have to jump five times like a rabbit, you know? So Mm -hmm. for me, the activity doesn't have to be, not every Mm -hmm. aspect of this had to be religious in nature, Mm -hmm. but it really is important to me as a person to have that opportunity. And when you have a group to do that with, how special, Yeah, you know, but at the same time trying to find the balance. So it's really difficult for something that you personally feel strongly about Mm -hmm. being religious or not. And then presenting that to the group and wanting to not make anyone feel left yeah. out. So I think as the group has continued to evolve and get bigger, it's now even more of a challenge. I probably won't put an aspect of religious in religion in there. I probably yeah. won't. Yeah, and um, and that's okay. And that's yeah. okay because yes. I'm going to do that at home. Yeah, or I can get or together we can get with together. You. Yeah, and and. It doesn't have to be your co-op. You can have like, you can invite three or four families to your house or to the park and do that aspect as well. And um, so for Christmas, Mm -hmm. I usually host the Christmas party. And I think the first year I did that, I knew everyone had a faith. Right. um, And I didn't know if there were one or two people that didn't. I didn't know them well enough to know they didn't. So I just assumed, I guess. And, And I think the only thing we did was I prayed. Oh, sure. But now with the co-op, I wouldn't do that because yeah. I want to, re- you know, this isn't my co-op. No, this it's is a shared co-op. co-op. Yeah, absolutely. But if I were to have my own Christmas party, like a personal Christmas party, yeah. and I invited people from all over, not just the co-op, but I invited people from all over, I have every freedom. You would to, host it how you want. Yeah, to host it however I want. Right. And then that's for your individual relationships with your friends to work out if somebody yeah if someone's offended by that then they can talk to me about that right or it's not a leave the group you know it's like I can run my party the way I Mm -hmm. want right and um and then what you and I did Mm -hmm. last year which um I was um the kids mentioned um love oh yeah and Mm -hmm. they mentioned it multiple times are we going to do that this year uh is the um we Jesse and I did a a Christmas day together of learning right it was based on the gather around unit studies that we've talked about, and that was the first one. That was my trial run to see mm-hmm. if I would like using mm-hmm. their unit study, and it was a mini one. And I just picked and chose the items that were good. We altered the crafts to be what we already had. We didn't go out and buy anything special for that day because we kind of put it together somewhat last minute, I think. Yeah, well, like because you had just gotten it and you printed it, and yeah, Yeah, but we had an amazing full day together, and the kids loved. And we didn't even do everything that was on there, but we didn't need to. There was enough on there, and they. I mean, I I was so surprised. It's like eight months later, and they're still bringing it up. You know, and are we going to get to do that this year? And and so um, I think that that's the kind of stuff you can still do because absolutely during the day you can do whatever you want. You know, you can have a school day invite a few of the same faith people over right and if you want you can invite people of a different faith and just let them know this is what we're doing you can choose to be there i prefer transparency yeah i want people to feel informed and not because i i don't want them to come or feel left out but this is important to me so i'm going to host it this way yeah i just wanted you to know we would love to have you yeah i don't want you to be uncomfortable or to be surprised yeah like you don't want to bait and switch no no and and so um i I, so here's another thing i invited everyone to go to the great homeschool convention of our co-op yes i had no idea that it was a christian conference actually i've been three times and it's been a couple years since i've been to that one and it was I, but I went there with the going to the sessions on how to homeschool. And I remember right. there being prayer in some of the things, 
but it, it didn't even strike me as a Christian conference. Yeah. Like I went to like, maybe the prayer was at the Bible when I went to, you know, right. I don't so even you know. didn't realize that even having the Bible class made it a religious conference or not. Yeah, I yeah. just assumed that was one, one of the sessions. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, so it was funny because I put it out to the whole group. We should all go, you know, and it was kind of last minute. So a lot of people couldn't go. And, and one, one person said, I, I'm not sure if I want to go. And I said, oh, well, check out the, the workshops and, and see if there's stuff there you like. And then she's like, well, that's exactly why I'm not sure I want to go. And right. I was like, well, that's, oh, yeah. so then I go in and I see a lot of like right. creation versus evolution. You put on a different lens. Yeah, I put on like, that lens. And oh. I was like, oh, my word, like a third of the sessions are about Christianity right. or some kind of right. faith in that spectrum. And I was unavailable this whole time. So then later we were so talking, I'm like, um, yeah, that's a Christian, Christian conference. conference. And, and I was like, like what? what? So then I go online and look at about. Right. And here we, we've already had people sign up. That and, and so then I had and then I felt like oh I hope people don't think I knew that and right you know now like, you don't I would yeah yeah I mean and people can look for themselves it's and, fine. and people right. figure right. most of these conferences are that way but that's just going to happen and I I don't want it to sound like we're being tiptoeing or walking on eggshells around people no but we're trying to be respectful and show that we love these people no matter what they believe. Right. They're our, our friends. They're our, our homeschool sisters. Right. And so we we are just careful to show, like, like we love you for who you are. Yes. You know, and so that that is the, the motivation of everything exactly. that we're saying. And if we wanted a purely Christian co-op, we would have done that. Yeah. But we didn't because we wanted really the foundation of our co-op to be passionate homeschool parents. Yeah, that's and the value. knowing that we want our kids to see a representation of what the world is like, mm-hmm. you know, and to be able to love people of all kinds, you know, yeah. all backgrounds, all things. And so I think for us, you know, we didn't really actually have any parameters about religion or not. Yeah. You know, it yeah. wasn't until it later that we, us. No, yeah. it wasn't until later that we started talking about it because we were finding the balance between a holiday, you mm-hmm. know, and how to present it. And yeah. do we do it at all? Or do yeah. we just leave holidays for people as individuals to do how they want? Right. You know? Yeah. So I'm just gonna say some takeaways. Yes. Um I didn't write them down. I forgot to do that. So I'll just go off the top of my head. Okay. Um so one is preparing your child or children before you attend something. So a lot of times my kids will ask me, um, is so-and-so a Christian? Mm -hmm. Because they act, they truly want to know. So they, they just know the, the conversation, especially the older ones, they want to know. And they know what they are supposed to not bring up or talk about or how to address it, you know, so it's helpful for them to know who they're talking to. Yeah. And then, um, like around Christmas time, you know, this isn't religious based, but I'll same thing. I still remind them like, oh, just so you know, so-and-so, so-and-so still believes in Santa Claus. So if any conversation talks about that, make sure you are just supporting that belief for them. You know, and you don't have to lie. Yeah. Just be like, oh, that's great. You know? And, and so it's the same kind of idea. Like, like just preparing them for the, the, the people they're going to be with. And, um, if they're going to be with fancy people, remember, we're going to be with fancy people. So keep good manners. So you just always don't burp out loud. Yeah. Before I go to a birthday party, I prepare them. This is their birthday. It's all about them having fun, right? It's not about you. So I'm always preparing them before an event. 
And this is one way you can do that. Totally. Um, and just remind them about, and then just come up with a family way of yeah. talking about it. Come up with a, a family way of, of saying, like, we're showing love. We want to share ourselves. But um, we want to equip you first, mm-hmm. you know, with the, the right yeah. knowledge before you actually dive in into theological debates. Alone. Yeah. Right. And, um, and, you know, not wanting to squelch that love and that hope to share about yeah. their Savior, you right. know. Okay, and then um, us as parents can equip ourselves by knowing resources that if, I'm not a scientist, but I know there are, did you know there was a survey um, it, by James H. Luba, started a survey in 1914 and then did it again in 1933, and then other people conducted it in 1996 and 1998. Mm. Um, the National Academy of Sciences, NAS, was surveyed, the members. All those years. Oh, okay. So any scientist who belongs to that. Yeah. So any scientist that belongs to NAS, um, they were surveyed. And every single time, right around 40% believe in a God that is um, the God. Let me say, I just wrote this down. Believe in a personal God who answers prayer. Interesting. So no matter the scientific developments over the past, that past, you know, 85 years almost, um, didn't change the percentage of scientists that are part of NAS that believe in a a God who answers personal, a personal God who answers prayer. So you can find that in um, Scientific American. Okay. Um, And it's from the September 1999. So, you know, the survey was done in 1998. So it came out right after that. And my dad didn't know if they've done another survey since. Mm -hmm. He hadn't found anything about that yet. But September 1999, Scientific American, the article is called Scientists and Religion in America by Edward J. Larson and Larry Witham. And, um, And then also what they found, this is also in the article, um, what they found is physicians and engineers, so pe- like science, like applied scientists, mm-hmm. there was even a higher percentage. Oh, interesting. So within the unique breakdowns of scientists. Yeah, then the, the, the higher percentage yeah. of those, the applied scientists, and they, they said that, that physicians said struggling with making a heart work and engineers and and there was another um, other applied scientist, but engineers making planes fly. Those types of scientists had um, higher a higher percentage of them. Interesting. So because they struggled the with the idea the of creating mm-hmm. uh, an airplane, they, they, it, it actually encouraged them in their belief of a creator God. Right. Created the birds who gave us the design model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that so so you can you can have resources for people if they are curious. You can have things like Scientific American in that article. Right. You know, you can buy that you know magazine and have it. You know, um, Templeton Foundation. It's basically the Nobel Nobel Prize for people. Um, or who uh, s- conduct scientific studies in the area of religion. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, um, you can look up that and their, their research and their studies that they've done. Yeah. And then reasons to believe, which I mentioned earlier. Right. And if, if, if people are truly curious and you, you feel like, oh, I, I want to share with them in a way that speaks to them, right. but I don't have that information, you can always just say, hey, I'd love to talk, to th- talk about this with you. You want to find something... 
yeah. an article on reasons to believe together and and That's talk so about cool. it. Like right. you can you can do that. It's very accessible, you know. Um, and uh, so yeah, just uh, and then just coming in it knowing that. Let's be kind to one another. Yeah. You know, you can be friends with everybody. Yeah, just be yeah. friends with everybody. Yeah, and we have so much to gain from everyone. Yeah, you know, we have so much to learn from each other, and it's not about us teaching about our faith. It's about learning the inner workings of the people we love, right? And having truly organic friendships. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay, you ready for the Coop Q&A, where we answer your questions. If you have a question, you can submit it to us by visiting the podcast page on our website, thecoophomeschool.com, or by emailing us at mamahens at thecoophomeschool.com. Ready for today's question? Yeah, let's hear it. How does everyone do high school transcripts? Do colleges really accept them from a non-accredited school? Wow, well, I have... No idea about that. Yes. Question. Okay, I do. So, do colleges really accept them? Yes, they do. And um, I know this because in high school, I went to school with several friends who were privately homeschooled, who graduated with private homeschool diplomas that their parents created for mm-hmm. them. So, and they went on to have college degrees, multiple college degrees, mm-hmm. in fact. So, that was twenty. 20- 20 to 25 years ago. So I know firsthand that way back then that was definitely a thing. And then because of the Coop Homeschool, our homeschool hub and the hesitant homeschooler, um, I do know that colleges still currently accept non-accredited school diplomas. How does everyone do high school transcripts? Mm -hmm. That varies. So at this point in time, colleges, their admissions teams have their own unique ways of doing it. So you can try and mimic the public school transcript, but that's actually not highly recommended. Um, the HSLDA and other ivscholars.org and other organizations that put together college-bound information for mm-hmm. all students, mm-hmm. including homeschoolers, they discuss the being able to show the uniqueness of your child's education. So in all my research, what I was finding was If you're homeschooling, you need to present the unique things that your kids have done as homeschoolers. Mm -hmm. You know, were they, did they belong to a club that wouldn't be at a public high school? Talk about that. Talk about the hours that they spent doing this, that, or the other thing. Did they write a book? Mm -hmm. Share that with us. Talk about the hours. So the transcript does not need to be one for one matching a traditional high school transcript. Wow, I had no Mm -hmm. idea. So there are templates out there so the hslda will help you find a template organization or something like that so if you need a template to create yours you totally can so cool write down units but Mm -hmm. even matching units is unnecessary wow so the really big important thing would be to call the admissions office of the colleges or universities that your child is interested in and ask if they have a homeschool application. And if they do, use that to guide you. So Mm -hmm. it's never too soon. If you even just want to talk to the local state schools because you're just trying to get an idea, if your kid hasn't thought... I'm going to go to Berkeley when they're 10 years old. You know, if you need some advanced preparation, call the local universities Hmm. to you. Or if you have a place that you would like your child to at least look into later, find out. Um, Coordinate with other homeschool moms who have college students Mm -hmm. who have done this already. We aren't there yet, so I don't have a pool of firsthand information with that. Well, one of our new co-op, our COOP group members, her daughter is going to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo Mm -hmm. in engineering. Right. 
you know, but I, I think she may have gone through a charter school. A public charter yeah. here in uh-huh. California. Yeah. So then uh, she would have a more traditional charter home tra- school. Right. Yeah. But it's still a public yeah. school. Yeah. So she would have the um, transcript mm-hmm. per- done for her with yeah. all the unit breakdowns that would be similar. That's true. So that would be the one way to do it. But, you know, she wasn't judged on her application because it was a home school versus a traditional school. But then even just going further than that, you know, if you're a complete unschooler, you know, what do you do? If you've never kept a grade for your kid in your life, what do you do? And so you provide, it's basically a resume. Provide Mm -hmm. your child's educational resume. You know, surely you can look back and be able to write down things that they've studied and things that they've accomplished in their high school career. And I've read, um, you know, since this episode isn't about this, so we don't have all the research and stuff, but I know I've come across articles where I've read that schools actually really love balancing the traditional school kids with, you know, an -hmm. influx of of homeschool kids as well because they offer a different... um, just a different experience. Exactly. I had several sources say that most universities actually really encourage homeschoolers because they're just such a different personality. They mm-hmm. bring something very different to the school and it's good. Yeah. You know, not better, but yeah. it's good. It's yeah. nice to have different styles on campus. Yeah. You meet all sorts of people. And so they do really love getting applications from homeschoolers, but you just want to know in advance and be prepared for what you're looking at. And so find out. Well, you know what I'm going to do, you know, the next homeschool conference that comes around, I'm going to be um, taking the college uh, high school track. So some homeschool conferences, well, they're big enough where they offer so many sessions that you can pick a track to go. There's like a parenting track or a teen track. And then there's like high school slash college track. Mm -hmm. And and then um, they have, I probably won't go to all the sessions because that's a lot. For my kid, my oldest kid who's 11, I don't really need to know everything right now. Right. But I thought, I'm going to go through that because that will take a lot of the unknown out for me. I can read as much as I want from it, but if I can sit there and listen to someone talk and hear other people who have different struggles and different case different situations yes. I can I can hear how that right is and then feel equipped and, totally. and not wondering right so in addition to the HSLDA check out the homeschool conferences so many of them are online now mm-hmm. so you don't even have to get up off well, the yeah couch if and you attend even, online yeah if you buy if you buy the registration you get access to the um the digital versions right. of them for like Six months or something. Or, yeah, Yeah. that's even better. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, we were discussing, within the context of the rest of the show, we were talking about the NHERI.org, and it's a research organization um, focused on homeschool. And so they have all kinds of information on breaking down statistics and presenting actual studies. Mm -hmm. And so if you actually want that type of research and support to make you feel really confident that, yes, your high schooler can go to college even if they're homeschooled and mm-hmm. don't have a transcript. Mm-hmm. You know, you can look for that information specifically. Um, so there's a lot of amazing resources for homeschoolers out there. Yeah, well, that, that's awesome. Thanks for answering the question. Yes. Thanks for listening. We love your support. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, leave a rating and review to let us know how we're doing, and share our podcast with your friends who need a little community, humility, and joyful fun in homeschooling.